is Bean to Barstool, a podcast that looks at the intersections of craft beer and craft chocolate. My name is David Nelson. I'm a professional beer writer and an advanced Cicerone and the creator and host of this show. The music for this episode is by my dear friend, indie folk musician Anna P.S. You can find out more about Anna's music in the show notes or at her website, annapsmusic.com. You can find links and information about our guests in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. Many of the beer names from Dayton, Ohio's Branch and Bone Artisan Ales are taken from songs. Music looms large for co-founder and brewer Brett Smith. Many of his hazy IPAs, oak-aged lagers, mixed fermentation sours, and burly pastry stouts all pay homage to tracks from artists like Jason Molina, Brainiac, and Guided by Voices. A part-time DJ when his schedule and a global pandemic permits, Brett is as comfortable spinning obscure vinyl as he is mashing in a new stout, and his love for the first spurs his creativity for the second. Music fuels and informs the creative mind space that leads to beers like Fresh New Eyes, a hazy double IPA, or Feral Dawn, a bourbon barrel imperial stout. One of his newest beers, Modern Business Hymns, takes its name from a song by the Detroit band Proto Martyr. Like most of their music, the song balances late 70s post-punk melancholy with the propulsive energy of classic Motor City rock, and the name struck Brett as appropriate for an imperial stout brewed with pistachios, vanilla, lactose, and cacao from South Bend, Indiana's Violet Sky Chocolate. Pastry stouts, with their outlandish ingredient lists and consumer demand, are sort of business hymns in a way, he reasoned. It was Brett's first time working with Violet Sky and owner Hans Westerink. Cacao had always just been a commodity spice to order from an ingredient broker for Branch and Bone, until another brewer brought out some Violet Sky chocolate during a collaboration brew day, and Brett was hooked. Violet Sky takes its name from the distracted wonder Hans Westerink finds in the sky above us, the fleeting moments in time when the color is just so, and everything feels right for just a minute despite the world's problems. With his eyes on the sky, he's working with a crop from the earth to craft expressive and singular chocolate, both dark single-origin bars and nuanced inclusion bars. With heads in the clouds and ears full of music, Brett and Hans have partnered now on a second beer, and they're just getting started. Join me today as we learn more about this partnership and the beautiful flavors coming from it. I first became aware of Violet Sky Chocolate through our friends Bethany and Brian, who live in northwest Indiana. A couple winters back, they visited Melinda and me between Christmas and New Year's, and late one night we lounged around a low coffee table scattered with good beer bottles and chocolate wrappers, vinyl spinning on our clamshell classroom record player, good conversation carrying us through the hours. At some point, they handed me Violet Sky's Chimelb Guatemala 77% bar, and after pausing to admire the handmade chartreuse paper wrapper, I was immediately struck by the bright acidity and fruitiness of the chocolate. After enjoying many more Violet Sky bars since that first one, I've come to see that acidity and bold expression as hallmarks of Hans's chocolate, and he particularly loves Guatemalan cacao for these innate characteristics which he coaxes, tames, or accentuates during the roasting process. When Brett tasted Violet Sky chocolate for the first time, his first bean-to-bar chocolate from anywhere, he texted me to basically say, 
wow, I had no idea. Brett is a master at working with esoteric adjunct ingredients and getting them to sing in harmony within a beer recipe, both with other flavor additions and with the base beer itself. Modern Business Hymns gracefully displays this deft touch. Aromas of pistachio pudding, maraschino cherry, and vanilla hit first, with fudgy and slightly acidic chocolate just beneath, all cradled in the muscular arms of an 11.5% ABV imperial stout with its own layers of chocolate and subtle coffee. It's thick and luxuriously creamy, but not cloyingly sweet, with the acidity of the cacao providing a roundness to curb the sweet body. It's gorgeous, y'all. I reached out to Hans to ask him about how this partnership got started, his relationships with other craft breweries, and what gets him excited in the world of chocolate making. I've noticed in this last year, at least, that you've been using a lot of Guatemala. Is that accurate? Yeah, I always do that. I've got four different Guatemalan beans at the moment. So it's like different farms and regions. Yeah. What is it in particular about Guatemalan cacao that you like? That's a good question. It's really strong. It's like very robust and intense, kind of tannic. It's usually fruity and also like nutty tannins. It's just really complex and not. Some chocolate's just boring to me. Like some of the African chocolate's very mild and people love it. It's very chocolatey, but to me that just isn't as interesting. Although I am working with some of some African stuff now, but I also like the history in, in Guatemala. So a lot of the people are are Mayan descendants and they don't speak Spanish and it's in their culture. So it's actually a sacred thing to them still. It's like a part of their their history instead of it just being a cash crop. So I think that's sure. pretty cool. Yeah. So do you work directly with the Guatemalan farms that you're getting the cacao from or do you have an in-between you're going through? Um, I have an importer. They're called Uncommon Cacao. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, they're, yeah, they're just really cool, transparent. It was started by women, run by women. It's just like, I just like them a lot and I trust them. And they do put me in contact with the farm managers in Guatemala. So I have a direct contact with them, but it's not like I'm doing importing or development of fermentation or anything like that with them. They're kind of just taking care of that on their own. And then I don't really have time or, or resources to do that. Like, I would love to import directly, but maybe, maybe in 10 years, you know, like sure. there's so much more to be done for me. That's more important. And like letting them do their thing. And yeah. sometimes you want to cut out middlemen, but also people like having the resources to do it is, is important. So, and the quality control, like if a lot isn't good, they won't buy it. So like, I don't know if I agreed to buy a lot and it turned out poorly, then I'd be out everything like I could, it could destroy my business if i'm not careful and they sense. can kind of take the fall or they can control it better because they have five people on the ground in the country there or whatever yeah that makes sense uh one of my favorite bars you've done is the maple vanilla can you tell me a little bit about the creation of that bar and what went into getting that right and that's a good question i've been doing it almost the same for a bunch of years but I just always love maple so much. It's like one of my growing up here in Indiana, like maple syrup on pancakes was essential. And I just knew maple and chocolate had to be together. And I wanted the vanilla. It was actually sort of like the idea of dry hopping something very heavily. Like you can just keep adding more hops mm -hmm. and it doesn't 
cause bitterness or anything. It's just aroma. So it's like a very excessive amount of vanilla beans. Like I buy a pound of vanilla beans at a time and go through them pretty quickly for that. So it's pretty expensive to make just because I wanted it to be like over the top vanilla. So that was kind of just experimenting, figuring out how to cook it down, what temperature to cook it down to, because that affects the, the texture of it. And the vanilla beans go in there and they get cooked with the maple syrup as it's cooking down. Okay. And then they get strained out and then it crystallizes. What kind of vanilla is that that you're using? I change it up. Uh, I use Tahitian or Madagascar or a blend. Um, And I also change up the cacao too. So you could get the same bar and it looks the same, but it's a different chocolate. Um, And I enjoy when people tell me, they're like, oh, I noticed it was different this time that makes me happy so it's always guatemalan but i have like i said before different guatemalans so and they do taste quite different so sure yeah is that local maple to northern indiana yep yeah i get it from from my friend who's a farmer like i only use his maple syrup so uh, tell me a little bit about the beers that you've done with transient then you said you just brought them chocolate and they decided to start working with it uh yeah well so i just brought them like bars and just kind of like a nudge you know it's not like a sales pitch just here you go and then they don't actually use the chocolate they use the nibs so it's like the unrefined chocolate but just sort of to get on their radar that's how i how i did that but yeah they do a lot of the big stouts kind of similar like the 10 to 12 percent sweet stouts and people just go crazy for those so yeah, for it's sure. not my. It's funny because it's not my favorite type of beer. Like I really enjoy them, but I I like other stuff that ends up not having my chocolate in it. Really. But. <laughs> sure. Uh, what are some of the specific beers uh, that they've done with your chocolate? Do you remember any? Uh, yeah. So Juni and Buckley. I think for Buckley it's a variation, whereas Juni all of it has chocolate. It's like a chocolate caramel stout, and then Bowser and Koopa is a peanut butter chocolate one. Um, that one's really popular. And then I've done some bars. So like for Juni and, and Bowser and Koopa, I did bars that went with them. So like it was a collab beer and bar together. Which How did that work? What did you do with the, the beer? Mostly I just end up using like black malt and then the other flavors that are in the beer too. So it's like a dark chocolate with black malt in it and then peanut butter or whatever. The Juni, it was like a caramelized white chocolate drizzled into it. Cause it's a caramel, like salted caramel stout. So sure. Do the same nibs yeah. get used in the, the beer as in the chocolate, the same variety? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd use the same beans for sure. Yeah. Cool. But that kind of changes for me. Just, I like to cycle through different cacao. So each year it might be a completely different bean or whatever for the same beer, just cause I don't have the same thing. But what nibs uh, was it that you used in the collaboration with transient? Um, so that was Monte Grande, which is a farm in Guatemala, and then it was blended with Uganda. And I find the blends, they're just more balanced for a beer. They come through as more chocolatey if I blend it. If you just do single origin, it's better just on its own more. Like, the character might not be as chocolatey. It might be more just fruitier. It adds different things to the, the beer that don't stand out as chocolate necessarily, so... Yeah, I was talking to a brewer recently who said that same thing, that he prefers the little bit milder, sort of just like default chocolate flavor 
uh, cacao mm-hmm. to use in his beers because everything else gets a little bit washed out or it's not clear where it's coming from. Part of that uh, for me is the roast profile too. Like I just roast it darker always for beer sure. than for the chocolate. So kind of levels it out a little bit then. Mm-hmm. Sure. Has there been any conversation with Transient or another brewery about figuring out a way to use some of those bolder single origins? Yeah, I always talk to them about that. I always say like we should do something with the like a sour, something wild with like really fruity cacao in it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. Like they definitely want to do it. But I think it's just like things like that probably don't sell as well. You know, it'd be a good small batch. Like sure. you, you don't want it you know, 15 barrels of that probably because it's just (laughs) weird, you know? Yeah. But to me, that's, that's the most exciting thing to me, but to most consumers, they're going to be like, what is that even, you know? So. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's still a lot of consumer education that has to go on to, to help people understand what, what they're even looking at or dealing with, with cacao. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in time it'll be more of an open, more, we can be, more creative with it hopefully as craft chocolate becomes more of like a well-known thing and people know there's different origins even because still most people don't so so when it came to working with transient uh did they give you license to kind of put together whatever blend you thought they should use or was there a give and take process of developing what they were going to use we'll be right back hey everyone Getting a Cicerone certification is an amazing way to raise your beer knowledge and can be a game changer for your beer career. But how are you supposed to find the time to prep and how are you supposed to know exactly what to study? Don't sweat because the Beer Scholar has you covered. The Beer Scholar is a sponsor of Bean to Barstool, but I can tell you from personal experience years before I was doing this podcast how helpful the Beer Scholar study guides are. They offer efficient online courses for levels one and two that cover everything you need to know, tips and tricks for how to pass the exams, and include live weekly Zooms to taste and discuss classic beer styles together. They even have a new coaching program for the level three advanced Cicerone exam. I used the Beer Scholar Study Guide to pass my level two exam many years ago. I wish the level three had been around when I took that exam. I had to do it on my own. Wish their study guides had been available for that at the time. The vast majority of certified Cicerones in the world today have used Beer Scholar to help achieve the goal of passing that exam. If you are ready to take your beer career to the next level, visit thebeerscholar.com and check out their online courses. It was pretty much up to me. It's basically just like, yeah, we just want it to be really chocolatey. (laughs) And then I figure out what the best way to do that is. So I actually just got another bean I haven't used yet, but it's from Ghana. And it's it's peanut butter and chocolate are like the notes. Mm. So that's going to be a really good one for beer just for that, just straightforward chocolate. But, But yeah, mostly I think they just they know what they're looking for and they let me know. And then I figure out how to make that happen on my end. So. Sure. Yeah. And then on the branch and bone collaboration, what did they use for that beer? That was that same blend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of like my blend I've been doing for the breweries is Guatemala and Uganda, but then I'm going to, I'm going to replace the Ugandan with the Ghana that I was just talking about. Okay. For now. Yeah. 
Sure. Um, Are there other breweries you've had the chance to work with? Yeah. Yeah. There's some other local ones. Um, the main one that I started collabing with was Bare Hands. That's in Granger, which is right outside of South Bend. Mm-hmm. Um, they're my favorite, like in town kind of brewery. We've done all kinds of stuff. We've done peanut butter, chocolate stouts, all kinds of barrel aged chocolate stuff, coffee and chocolate. They're, they're pretty creative. So sure. um, I've been collabing with them since I started actually like five years ago. So there's been quite a few, but a lot of it is just on tap there. It's not necessarily all packaged, but sure. And then there's other ones in town that that are cool, but you know, not high priority for me. Just other breweries that are more like brew pub, not really distribution, but we do collabs and it's, you know, it's always fun. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned uh, when we were talking about transient that the big dessert stouts are not your normal favorite. What are the types of beers that you'd typically be enjoying? I mean, my favorite would be like wild ales, like real spontaneous wild ales and just like funky stuff, Belgian yeast, different yeast profiles. I really love just all fermentation is really fun to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like including the cacao fermentation is actually a big part of the cacao flavor and like sourdough bread. And so just like the, the depth of the fermentation is what gets me really excited, I think. And added ingredients with that is cool too, but like my favorite beers probably don't have any any adjuncts or added flavors. It's just grain and yeast and hops, basically, yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned that you got started about five years ago. Tell me a little bit about how you got started. I was actually thinking about opening a brewery. That was kind of an idea. Hmm. And that's actually how I found the place I learned how to make chocolate from online. I found because I was home brewing and I was making a chocolate beer. It's kind of funny. Sort of relevant to this, um, chocolate alchemy is what it's called, and it's just like all of it's the science of chocolate, and you can buy cocoa beans there. And I was just looking for cocoa beans for this chocolate beer, just homebrew, and and then once I realized that I could do it, it was just like I'm gonna just start doing this at home. And then I thought, like I saw the potential collaborations with restaurants and breweries and distilleries and all this, and no one was no one's making it so like it just seemed like the right move i've learned that it's 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 harder than selling beer like people will just buy they'll spend a hundred dollars on beer no question whereas like an eight dollar chocolate bar a lot of people around here complain about like even if they're buying it they'll still complain but they'll they'll buy an eight dollar you know what i mean it's just yeah. like what you value and what they're used to so it's that's where like educating and just like changing the culture of it has been a struggle and I knew it would be, but it's it's taken me longer to get to where I am than, than I thought it would, sure. definitely. But um, but I'm really happy with those decisions too, just because I've I don't know I've made so many connections in Chicago and around here, and just like new people that are starting up and are inspired by what I'm doing feels really good to have to have I've existed long enough that they're like they look up to me in some in some way which is cool so that idea of collaboration was really baked right into your your business <laughs> idea yeah definitely yeah like awesome. um, i love the way that the breweries do that that they collab and support mm-hmm. each other and it's not as much competition between small breweries as i saw elsewhere and i just i was definitely drawn to that and the excitement of creating new things that hadn't been made before or like 
not just doing the same thing over and over. Like we're trying to push the boundaries very actively, trying to trying to create new styles of things. And mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I think there's a lot of overlap in the way that uh, chocolate makers, craft chocolate makers and craft breweries go about their business and go about developing product. So how did that homebrewed beer turn out? Um, It was okay. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? Just the chocolate stout, but like a dry stout. It wasn't as chocolatey as I wanted. (laughs) It's been a while. That was, that was like six years ago. So you still homebrew at all? No, I haven't really. Yeah. Um, I've thought about it, but I'm just too busy with this. So you need to go into one of these breweries who's using your nibs and be there for a brew day. Yeah, I've done that with bare hands. I've helped out with brew days. Um, it's kind of fun. Just like when it's like 60 pounds of nibs going into the the beer and just to, just to even dump that in there, Mm -hmm. hang out. I love all the smells of everything with the mash. Just like, makes me happy it's like i don't know it's like freshly baked bread but Mm -hmm. but beer (laughs) yeah for sure hans went on to explain he'll be launching a coffee brand next year called cloud walking coffee so keep an eye out for that the branch and bone brewing team were in michigan visiting the folks at transient artist nails to brew a unique collaboration that would see the same wort split into two different beers an oak aged pilsner and an open fermented saison Chocolate had nothing to do with either one, but transient owner Chris Betts brought out some Violet Sky bars for everyone to taste. It proved to be a pivotal moment for Brett Smith. I talked with Brett about that collab, his awakening to good chocolate, and his plans for working with cacao in beer going forward. Yeah, so uh, Violet Sky chocolate came to me from my friend Chris Betts that uh, owns and operates Transient Artisan Ales in Bridgman, Michigan. They work together a lot, so I had heard the name Violet Sky and seen it on some labels and everything of his. And uh, uh, chocolate's not something I've explored a lot as an ingredient um, in beer. And uh, we were up brewing with Chris at Transient the first weekend of uh, October. And he brought out a bunch of Violet Sky bars, and we started eating them. And it was just, like, mind-blowing. Do you remember which ones you tasted? Yeah, we tasted. So Chris has the stout called Buckley. And they did a Buckley bar that was supposed to be mimicked after the stout with the adjuncts. It had stuff all over the bottom of the bar, like roasted barley. It was really cool. Yeah, Uh, We had a couple single origins. I forget which ones. And we had a maple vanilla. I love that one. God, it was so good. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was pretty much like, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing this. Like, we've got to use some of this. So uh, you just reached out to Hans at Violet Sky? or How did that Yeah, I just start? I just sent him an email, and he was down. He kind of asked what I wanted, and I was like, well, I'm thinking about putting it in this beer with a bunch of other stuff, and told him what, and I was, and he asked how I wanted the chocolate to taste, the cacao, and I was like, I don't know, like, nutty, <laughs> and he was like, I can do that. He was like, how about a blend of Guatemalan and uh, Ugandan, and I roast it kind of lightly, 
and lo and behold like we get it in the mail and i'm tasting it and I'm like that's pretty nutty that's awesome yeah he said it was uganda and uh, monte grande Guatemala. Okay, yeah. i've had yeah. that monte grande bar i haven't had his ugandan but uh the monte grande in the bar form that i had was quite acidic so i'm okay, wondering cool. if he maybe roasted that a little differently to tone that down some for what you're yeah. using yeah, maybe. And that's something I want to work with more in the future with him is like really getting the details on what's there, how he roasted it, like everything. I think it's it's fun for me because it's new to me. And that's like this new one I got. I haven't heard back from him yet. I just got some for another beer. Yeah, um, this new one is going into a new candle variant, which you probably know is like our Imperial Milk Stout series. Mm-hmm. This one's going to be called Campfire Candle. It's like a s'mores-inspired imperial stout. So. Sure. Vanilla, graham cracker, and a lot of cacao nibs. Yeah, from talking with Hans, it sounds like uh, we almost had Violet Sky Brewing. I mean, he had originally, he was in home brewing and had um, had an interest, it sounded like, in heading in that direction and then realized that there was kind of a, a broader uh, horizon with with chocolate where he could you know really dive into that yeah I, I mean what he's doing is impressive so was this your first exposure probably to any kind of bean to bar chocolate yes um we have we have bought cacao nibs from some brokers that sell vanilla beans things like that we you know we've ordered some off amazon for treatments like organic cacao nibs um they taste great and all that but I, you know how it is like especially with our brewery we like to try to make those connections to mm. to to the people really making what we're putting in our beers and or growing it or roasting it or anything so yeah linking up with uh with hans has been really cool and I'll probably make this a lot like our coffee connection with, that we do with press woodboro where that's just who we use like sure it's just one of those things like you find someone that's doing what you like and it's quality like why even yeah why why jump around and try different things just stick to this one person well and especially with his ability to customize that it's not like you're locked into one thing i mean he can yeah he can tweak that yeah and from what i can tell he really knows what he's talking about with this uh it's someone that I have a lot to learn from and that's, that's always a good thing for us. Sure. So uh, modern business hymns was the first beer that you did with him. Uh, and I've had a chance to taste that one. It was excellent. Tell me about the process of developing that beer. Did you already know what the concept was before you decided to go with his cacao or how did that process? Uh, work? No, not really. I was just planning on getting an Imperial stout into that canning run. Um, and after meeting up, at Chris's and trying the chocolate, I was like, oh, I want to get some into this beer. So I hit him up, Hans, and uh, as we were talking, you know, I kind of gave him the date I would need it by, and he was like, ah, oh, no problem. You know, I'll have it to you in like three or four days. So then it was like immediate, and I kind of already had this idea of like a pistachio, vanilla, cinnamon thing, and just throwing chocolate into that mix sounded excellent. And we actually, uh, we had the, cho the cacao nibs in the tank first. 
for like three or four days and tasting the beer. I mean, it was just, I immediately was like, well, I can't leave it as is because I've already ordered labels, everything. <laughs> but we are making a straight up cacao nib beer this season like this because, I mean, it just tasted like liquid chocolate. Yeah. It was so nice. Uh, so you're just putting that in during secondary for what, three, four days? Yeah, I think I think that was in there for a total of like six days. Okay. Uh, you know, a couple of days warm and then the rest of it cold. We got other ingredients and stuff in there. When you taste the finished beer, having smelled and tasted those nibs, I assume, before mm-hmm. they went in, how much do you feel like the flavor of that cacao comes through directly or does it change during that process? Um, it's, it's obviously muted by the other strong flavors that it's presented with, but having tasted everything raw and then in liquid form by itself, like I, I know it's still there and I can, mm-hmm. I can really pick it out. When I tasted it, the... I tasted underneath the uh, the vanilla and the pistachio. I definitely got like a chocolate, like an abstract chocolate. Mm-hmm. And I, fe- I wonder how much of the acidity of that cacao is kind of weaving into the pistachio and the vanilla. Yeah, bit. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Um, and that's that's fun, you know. This is new to me, so it's it's cool to explore those flavors and find new things. Yeah. And that base recipe too, it doesn't have any roasted barley in it. It's just chocolate malt and some caramel malts, base malt, some flake grains. So it's kind of more of a stout recipe where I'm looking for a more chocolate forward beer. Yeah. And with the cinnamon, I feel like with a lot of the spiced beers I've had from you, you take a sort of Belgian approach to spice where it's, it's at or just below threshold. It's not out in the open. Yeah, um, I like cinnamon a lot. Uh, when we put, when cinnamon's more at the forefront for us is usually when we do like a, a Mexican spice beer. Yeah, you did the Mexican party in the dark. I remember that yeah. one being pretty assertive. Those those are usually a little heavier. Uh, we we have a, we just did a new batch of black candle and we're, we've, we're working up a bunch of treatments for crowlers and we did a Mexican spice one of that. And uh, I was tasting it today and it's got a pretty strong cinnamon character along with, uh, we put like three different types of dried peppers in there. So those kind of come through too, along with cinnamon. It's kind of neat. What I do a lot of times with that is it goes in on the hot side and it kind of gives me that starting ground for cinnamon and then if I like where it's at, I leave it. If I want a little more, then we can dose it in the tank. Uh, so you've got this next one going right now that's, um, well, by the time this episode comes out, uh, we'll, we'll already be released, your next beer with Violet Sky. Can you tell me yeah. about that one? Yeah, um, that, that'll be out. We'll be canning it and releasing it November 23rd. Uh, so this beer is going to be like a s'mores-inspired pastry stout so it's going to be heavy on graham cracker i'm trying to not go too heavy on the vanilla vanilla can be tricky especially with a really sweet beer Mm -hmm. because once you even have that note of vanilla it just seems to amplify and the sweeter something is vanilla is very sweetening on its own but then we're hitting it with even more cacao than we did 15 pounds and seven barrels on modern business homes we're doing 20 in this one about the same gravity beer yeah it's uh man 
I want to say, yeah, I want to say they're they're about the same. Um, right at like 30 Play-Doh starting gravity. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Final Gravity issue 4 is now available in the Bean to Barstool shop. This fourth issue of our zine telling intimate, human-centered stories from the world of beer is full of great articles, including Kate Power of Lady Justice Brewing talking about why she might be done with beer festivals, Ukrainian beer writer Lana Svetinkova writing about the Zeugel brewing tradition in Germany, UK writer Matthew Curtis talking about the blend of old and new in the Cascale tradition in Manchester, and many more. We believe passionately in this project, and if you believe the story of beer is ultimately a story about people and relationships, we think you'll love Final Gravity as well. You can order the new issue from our shop on beandabarstool.com, or you can also subscribe, including subscribing for your brewery tap room or break room, or you can subscribe and sign up to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash beantobarstoolzines. Now, back to the episode. I'm going to jump in here real quick to explain gravity. Gravity refers literally to the weight of a beer before or after fermentation, and it's functionally a measurement of the amount of dissolved malt solids in the beer, mostly comprised of dextrins and other sugars and proteins. Gravity is generally measured and labeled in one of two units, specific gravity or degrees Plato. Specific gravity measures a liquid's density relative to water, so a finished beer might have a specific gravity of... 1.012, for example, meaning it's 1.2% heavier than water. Degrees Plato are often used as well, and there's a simple math conversion between the two. The number after the decimal in specific gravity is four times the degrees Plato. So that 1.012 beer is three degrees Plato. None of this really matters for our purposes today, except to say that the numbers you're about to hear from Brett are quite high, indicating a very big and robust finished imperial stout. Back to Brett. Probably about uh, I always one, I do this on, on gravity. That'd be one twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm backwards on finishing gravity. I always talk about it in specific gravity, and then I talk <laughs> about I talk about or starting gravity and uh, Plato and finishing gravity and in specific gravity but just to make it complicated yeah yeah finishing gravity is around like 1048 so uh it's a thick what? beer yeah yeah it is i mean it has lactose in it that aids in like residual gravity but you know the we've been taking some of these stouts pretty big lately and the finishing gravities are getting higher and higher and i mean that's what people want it's not my cup of tea you know how would you change them if you could brew it exactly how you wanted to drink it? Well, I'd make them more like uh, Feral Dawn, you know. It's just more like, I mean, that's that's like a pretty normal finishing gravity for an Imperial Stout, like, you know, 1024 right in there. So like six Play-Doh, six, seven, eight Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, you're talking 12, yeah, 14 Play-Doh 12, finishing yeah. gravity. That's high. That's Very a starting high. gravity on some beers. <laughs> A lot of our beers, yeah, like our our lagers and saisons and stuff, yeah, yeah, or even lower than that. But I mean, we've had beers higher than that, like our Listerman collab last year. That was like ten sixty finishing gravity. Jeez. And there's still people that would say things like it's thin. 
like, <laughs> I guess. I mean, it tastes like motor oil to me, but just just sure. scoop them out some unfermented wort and hand them that to yeah. to drink. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's like you just buy ice cream. Like, yeah. I don't think you want beer. So with chocolate beer, it's a, a a few years behind coffee beer. It used to be with coffee beer, everything was a porter or a stout because you already had the roasty flavors. Now you've got things like dimmer that you're making that are just a, you know, a, a pale, light, golden ale where the coffee really shines. Uh, most chocolate beers are still porters and stouts that have those complementary flavors. But there are some breweries who are beginning to branch out and try other styles and use cacao in creative ways. Have you had the chance to think of any creative things you might want to do down the road beyond uh, the stout mold? Yeah. Um, sour beer specifically, you know, I think, especially with the right fruit it added to that. Um, we've done some treatments like that. Like I, I want to say we did like a cherry sour with some chocolate just like, you know, a little treatment to try it out and see what happens. I know we used some in some of the hot beers we did, which is kind of a weird thing that, you know, it's only in the tap room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've already been thinking about some Violet Sky stuff for um, for some of our mixed fermentation beers. And I need to send Hans some beer. Um, I know he's especially fond of sour beer. Yeah. So I wanted to send him some with some, you know, notes like, hey, these are kind of the things we do. Here's what I'm thinking. You know, give me a little feedback on like something you might like to see your your products in. What do you anticipate getting from the cacao in a beer like that? Are you looking for complementary acidity or are you wanting a chocolate flavor in some way how is that yeah I, I mean a little bit of both i think could be really interesting especially like if you paired that up with like some really nice raspberry or something mm-hmm. like that that sounds great we don't have much dark sour in our cellar so i was thinking we could do a little more of that uh, and get some chocolate into there we, we have a dark sour that we're going to package soon that's going to get coffee uh collab with Woodboro. Yeah, it was, uh, we put it a uh, tappy uh, 15 barrels that Strength of Fates was in. So they're like second use bourbon barrels for the dark sour. And I would love to put chocolate in that, but I know Brett wouldn't be having that. He wants, he's going to want just his coffee in there. Who's that? <laughs> Brett Barker, the owner of oh, uh, Woodboro sure, Press. Sure. Is it him and his wife, Janelle. Have you considered branching out and using other parts of the cacao? I mean, pulp, juice, things like that. Have you talked with Hans about that? Uh, I, ha- I haven't. You know, th- this is sort of new for me. Um, it's not It's not something I really thought a lot about as a brewing ingredient. So th- this is kind of, it's a fun, exciting new territory for me. What you really do is is create flavor. You happen to be doing that through beer. But if something in your life had gone differently, you could have been doing that as a chef or a chocolate maker or a distiller. What were the sort of formative experiences of flavor that made you love creating things like this, you know, creating new flavor experiences for people? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, music and food both play a huge role in just me wanting to be creative being creative is such a good outlet 
it takes your mind away from so many other things. Yeah. It's, it's just something great to focus on. But as far as creating flavors and especially with beer, I mean, it comes a lot from beer. Like, I mean, my first time drinking like a really good mixed fermentation Saison was like, that was like a life-changing experience. What was it? Uh, I would say the first one I had that I like flipped out over was a Phantom bottle. Nice. This is just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. this is incredible. And how the fuck did they get these flavors and aromas into this? Yeah. And then you find out it's wild yeast and all this. And then it's like, whoa, what, what the hell? I want in on this. Yeah. And then you just fall into it and there you go. But yeah, um, you know, being influenced by all those things and then, you know, chasing those flavors. And then when you really get into it, that's when like food becomes a huge thing. I think for most brewers, it's like, it's like everything you eat, you just start thinking about beer and what you do, how you could either get this flavor into beer or how you could pair a beer to these flavors. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, even though I'm not a brewer, I think I find that happening even just as a writer, educator, connoisseur, somebody who yeah. loves flavor, even if beer is the focus, everything that I'm smelling and tasting is expanding my descriptive ability, expanding, you know, the, the range oh, of yeah. things that I can enjoy. Yeah. I mean, that's how I, that was, that was like a big thing with foraged ingredients with me is just like, go outside and smell the air. Like, don't you want to create that? That's incredible. Yeah. Like you smell these beautiful things and it's like, well, I want to find a way to put that in a bottle. The idea of a brewer as seasoned as Brett discovering a new avenue for creativity is exciting for me as a beer lover. While there is a tremendous amount of learned knowledge and craft that leads to a person being a quality brewer, I do think there's something to be said for intuition, for having a knack for recognizing how flavors will work together for having an ear attuned to what the ingredients are telling you. Whatever that is, Brett has it. While neither Brett nor Hans might describe themselves as whimsical, there is certainly some whimsy in the fantastic alchemy of bringing together chocolate and beer. Cacao and beer both have thousands of years of cultural and culinary history, and weaving those disparate threads together into new creations, new sensory explorations, allows us to experience both with fresh new eyes. Violet Sky's artwork and packaging are simple and playful, with a charming DIY aesthetic. Branch and Bone's artwork and packaging are conceptual and contemplative, with a sleek complexity. Two different ways of presenting the same flavor craft, and thankfully for all of us, they'll periodically be approaching that craft together for a long time to come. You can find out more about Branch and Bone Artisan Ales and Violet Sky Chocolate in the show notes for this episode at beantobarstool.com. The music for this episode was performed by my friend Anna P.S. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at her website, annapsmusic.com. If there's a topic you'd like to see covered on this podcast, drop me a line through social media or at beantobarstool at gmail.com. You can also let me know if you've had good chocolate beers or beer-infused chocolate lately, or if you come across any you think I might find interesting. I'm always looking for something new. If you feel inspired to share one of your own beer and chocolate pairings on Instagram, tag the post with the bean to barstool hashtag so I can see it and comment. 
Let your friends know about this show if you think they would enjoy it. And you can even share it with your favorite chocolate makers or brewers. And of course, you can leave a review on your preferred listening platform. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bean to Barstool. Yeah.